What is up? What is happening? Welcome back to episode 117 of Skates at the Stakes. The boys are back in town. Training camp's underway. The entire roster was put out today. A few interesting names. Nothing too crazy. Everything was kind of expected. No Zach Parisi, but... A former Islanders legend has appeared in Dmitro Timoshov. I saw that this morning. I was kind of like, what? Really? Um, there's a few other undrafted guys that we brought to camp. We'll go through the entire roster in a bit. But boys, how we feeling? Day one of camp, training camp. The season is back. Jake, how you doing? Good, yeah. Um, definitely surprised to see Dmitro Timoshov on an Islander... Uh, announced thing in 2023-2024, but that was surprising. Obviously, does not have a contract. A few others don't have contracts. Blake Jenkins does not have a contract right now. He was at rookie camp, and now was at training camp. But no really surprises right now. Um, and we'll kind of break down the first day and some other stuff, and I'll pass it over to Ryan. Yeah, guys. Um, welcome back to Skates at the Stakes, uh, the podcast about the New York Islanders. Very happy to be on with you guys the first day of camp. You know, it's in the air. All the players you think are going to break out are breaking out. The slow skater you watched last year, all year, 82 games. He looks fast at camp. Everybody looks their best. Everyone, their, their jersey matters. Um, the line they're on matters. Tate McRae is an Islander fan. Everything's coming up Islanders right now. I'm hyped and I'm excited to go. The one issue with Tate McRae holding up an Islander jersey, that's a little disrespectful to Mike Sillinger, eh? What do we what do we feel about that? Obviously, if you don't know Tate McRae, she um starting to real really pop off in the pop world. I believe that would you'd say that's her genre. She has a few good songs that I know. Uh, friend of the podcast, Fowl's a very big fan of hers, so I've known of her for I think a few years now, and I knew she was dating Cole Sillinger. So they broke up. I know we're, we're spelling the T here on this podcast for all you uh, young listeners. So they broke up. She did a um, a music video at a hockey rink, not on Long Island or, you know, not at any of the Islander rinks. She did a music video basically wearing all hockey gear on a Zamboni, which was pretty hysterical. But yeah, so Cole, Cole Sillinger obviously is the son of Mike Sillinger. So where do we as a podcast stand with this? It's not really a beef, but who do we stand with? Kate McRae of the New York Islanders, of course. I mean, you know, we, we love Mike Sillinger, but, uh, you know, Cole, he's on that team with the Ken Johnson guy who did the Michigan. And, oh, boy, we have some Columbus Blue Jacket stuff to get to oh, yeah. <laughs> later in the podcast. Ooh, we didn't even, but, yeah, uh, just, we didn't just mention start that. With the, the easy stuff. Yeah, Cole Sillinger. Uh, I thought this kid was doing pretty good last year, and then I checked his stats, and he just, he just stinks, he I sucks. guess. Um, Ken Johnson, so, you know. Kent Johnson, Michigan man. Yeah, the Michigan on Sorokin, which was like their accomplishment last season. Um, you know, you could call that raising the banner, and then they got Babcock and Provorov, and now uh, now the Blue Jackets are in disarray, and we can get into that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, fun stuff all around. This has been a very prime NHL week. Uh, BioSteel went out of business after the NHL signed a pretty big deal with BioSteel to be their drink provider, and then all the Babcock ruining the media weekend stuff. It, it's been fun, uh, but... Speaking media weekend, we kind of had uh, Anders Lee on 32 Thoughts, if you want to get into that, AJ. Yeah, Anders Lee was on 32 Thoughts. We got two interviews this year from New York Islander players. Last year, we didn't get one, uh, a European one. We really didn't have a guy from Europe that would have went as an Islander representative that I could really think of. Who would have? 
who would it have been? Sebastian Ajo in Sweden. They definitely didn't want him doing any PR last year. They weren't going to let Sorokin or Varlamov probably do PR. It wasn't really Russia-based. It was more German, Swedish, Finnish. And we don't really have that many. We don't have that many Europeans. Now we have Pierre Engvall, who used to play in the hockey, quote-unquote, mecca in Toronto. Everyone hasn't really talked to Pierre since being traded, so they definitely were interested to see how life was on the island, how it was with the trade, and uh, reminisce his legendary run with the Toronto Marlies, because, yes, it is a hockey-based podcast, so Toronto will come up. It was cool to see Anders Lee talk to 32 Lotso so with uh, Jeff Marrick and Elliot Friedman. It was good. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to freak out about any of his answers. Not that I would anyway, but I know we said, like, they talked about the fourth line, how detrimental they are to the Islanders team, the heart and soul line. He said, yeah, he's excited to see them back and healthy. Um, We'll see about that. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of wingers on this team that... For it's going to be a tough battle, man. I don't know if the fourth line gets in. They probably get in, but there's a lot of wingers right now. The competition at this New York Islanders training camp right now might be one of the best we will ever see in our lives. Not saying that the names are out of this world, but you have guys that are very, I wouldn't say competent, but possible NHLers. Maybe not this year, but like Durando. He could fill a fourth-line spot, and I don't think too many people would be annoyed about that. Julian Gauthier is a fine NHL player. These names are, it's not like, you know, we're not getting Sidney Crosby to play our third line. We're not having Crosby and McDavid battle to be our third-line forwards, but the camp competition is really good this year. The names are really good this year. The players are really good this year. We'll see what happens. I still think the fourth-line probably is there night one, but... I think these guys like Gauthier and Holmstrom are really going to make it make it tough on the coaches and Lou on who should be their opening night. So we'll see how that goes. But back to the Lee interview. He was talking about being a baseball player, a football player, talked about the bubble a little bit. It was a good interview. It was nice to hear from our captain. Just all good, positive vibes going to the year, talking about Barzal. Nothing too impactful, I'd say. Right? Did I miss any big quotes? I don't. I listened to it, but and mostly. I mean, they got so into the junior stuff. I mean, Anders obviously. You know, he talked about playing hockey and baseball, and you know, a lot of it was on that. But he did do good, uh, good kind of public relations for the Islanders, as he always does. Um, no, nothing too crazy out of it. It was just cool to see the cap get that spotlight. I think Barzi did it for us last year, and he did a really good job. Yeah. Um, you know, so the the civil war between Anders Lee. There's also an article about their fantasy hockey teams, um, and how that uh, there's two separate leagues in the locker room so if there's ever a divide you have to pay attention because there's a difference between fantasy hockey leagues now um but yeah no there's um you know media weekend came and went i think this was the most the islanders have really been involved in that like since the lamarillo era began you know doing two interviews instead of one it's kind of embarrassing for the sport but you know it's pretty cool did some interviews yeah, I think the Barzal one was a lot more impactful last year. I mean, I really did enjoy the Anders Lee interview. He's a very well-spoken person, very good people person. You know, you kind of just got that warm feeling listening to him talk to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Marrick. But the Barzal one definitely got me more amped up for the season when he was talking about basically coming out with, a, you know, no stuts in the road. Stuts in the road. No, no one's ever said those words before. Uh, you know, 
just coming out guns a blazing. We can't have a slow start. Basically saying everything that went wrong last year without being what's the correct word? Without like crapping on specific players who's saying like, oh, COVID messed us up. We were never able to recover. Guys are still banged up, which is all fair. But the Barzal interview definitely was a lot more inject this into my veins-esque rather than the Anders Lee one. But the Lee one was still very good, and they do a great job over there. So make sure to check it out if you haven't yet. Yeah, no, Andres did a good job, and so did Pierre. So that was the PR. Uh, that's probably the most we're going to hear out of uh, the Islanders on the national airwaves for a pretty long time. But, um, yeah, the ramp-up started. Rookie camp came and went. Um, you know, that was immediately following the media tour. We could, you know, push off the Babcock stuff and the rest of the league stuff to the end of the podcast. Uh, but, you know, it's it's pretty important, the rookie camp. This was the first year, I think, personally, and I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago, that I was excited to see what happened at rookie camp because I feel like there is some good talent in the farm. I remember when I first came on the podcast, it was Jake, our prospect guy, decided to say something along the lines of, let the kids play. And my, my take back then was the kids all stink. They don't deserve to play. Now it feels like the, the pipeline's pretty full, and I'm excited to see where we're going here. Um, any guys that you were super excited to see at camp uh, for the rookies? You know, maybe we each name off a guy that we were excited to see. AJ, you can go first. But, you know, the kid's shown, and it looks like we have some guys pretty close to NHL ready, maybe a year away. But, you know, the kids are shining now. What, what do you think, AJ? Uh, you got to go Isaiah George, I guess. He was kind of the star boy of the prospect camp. Everyone was raving about this kid that was there. We'll see. He's going to go back to London this year, uh, unless he makes the NHL team, which is very unlikely, but crazier stuff has happened. Everyone was raving about his speed, his IQ, his edge work. I'm excited to see what he could do. I thought it was a really good pick at the time, not that I ever watched him play before we drafted him, but from what everyone was saying, everyone's like, wow, this kid could be a stud for the Islanders. And the way he's developing right now, it looks very good. He's playing very, you know, he's playing well on one of the better the best probably CHL organization with the London Knights. I'm very excited to see what he could do. So I know he got, they showed the video of Gauthier putting on the burners past him today at actual training camp, but that's fine. He's still a kid. He's going to grow. He's going to learn, but rookie camp, he looked great. Everyone was raving about him. So I'll say the easy answer and I'll give one of the harder answers to Jake, the prospect guy. Yeah, I was excited for Dufour. I think that's, you know, probably the second popular pick. But, you know, the speculation was, you know, did he work on his skating this summer? Um, Because that's really the one thing holding him back. And if we break it down a little bit after Ryan gives his answer, um, we'll break break it down further. But um, for people who were there, um, people said his skating looked a thousand times better. The strides looked a thousand times better. So you could see that he definitely worked on it, and that's definitely going to be a better part of his game, which could turn him into a second, third liner. Does he make the team? We can kind of break that down when we talk about training camp, but um, a good sign that he did work on his skating over the summer, which is something he definitely needed to do. 
Yeah, I guess that leaves me with the the other one of the big three standouts from camp, which is Matthew Maggio, you know, in his first, uh, you know, he's ramping up for his first pro season. I guess that's the best way to put it. But he's been working on his offseason conditioning and he's picking up some healthier habits to make that jump from the, I believe, what was it? Was it the OHL, one of the Canadian Hockey Leagues, to the NHL? And, you know, he's he's fired up. He's going to be good. Um, All of our reporters and writers down by the rink are saying good things about Maggio. So I'm excited to see it. I'm a little more tentative on the two uh, overagers, less so on Dufour now that I've seen him as a pro. But I think if Maggio is coming into the system as a 21-year-old ready to, ready to rock and roll and make that jump, um, I'm very excited to see what he can do here. Yeah, I think Maggio's style might suit the Islanders a bit better. I think he'll fit the system and fit maybe the team a bit better than Dufour, who last year did look clunky at times. I know we only saw him with the big team at for one game, but his skating was a massive problem, as everyone knows by now. Uh, like we, like Jake said, his skating, the the coaches were impressed about his, uh, you know, his upgrade in the skating abilities. He went to the VC store on 2K and bought better skating abilities. If you get that joke, you shouldn't. Uh, we'll see what he can do. I like Dufour a lot. I like Maggio more than Dufour, but it's definitely some Italian bias there. I think Maggio's going to be a really good player for the New York Islanders so in a year or two. every He just kills every league he goes to. So I'm going to expect maybe a lesser year this year in Bridgeport. If he gets over 70 points this year, though, we have a stud our, on our hands. But that's not to discredit do for you, though. Look what he put up last year in the AHL. And people crap on this guy being our best prospect, saying we have a bad prospect pool. I'm very confident with the guys we have right now. Our, our top four, not including Bull Duke or Simon Holmstrom, being Isaiah George, uh, in no order, Isaiah George, Cali Odelius, Dufour, and Maggio. Those could be four very nice pieces, or at least two and a half to three. Yes, two and a half. However, a half a player works, we'll go with that. But those could be some very nice pieces for a team that really needs some cheap ELC guys very soon. If Maggio or Dufour really works out for the New York Islanders next year, look for a guy like maybe Kyle Palmieri to get flipped and open up that five million cap space. That'd be massive. You can plug one of those guys in there at, while trading one of your better wingers that you don't need as much anymore. I know we all love Kyle Palmieri here, but you have to consider that if Maggio or Dufour is really ready to take that next step, take that next jump, and the management feels comfortable with that. Opening up that $5 million can go a very long way for the New York Islanders. Maybe getting a number one defenseman or just having that in your back pocket it's never a bad thing either uh yeah i mean look it's it's way too long we're about to go to war for 52 weeks now until the season's over until we can't play anymore so you know i don't want to think about the too long term and the cap commitments for next summer you know there was a projection today that the cap might raise by seven million dollars and if that happens then uh you know the islanders don't have to worry about a damn thing but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the cap, cap. I'm not too worried about it, and we'll see how the team looks this year. But, you know, those those KPLC guys are going to be super important, as AJ said, just having those guys in their back pocket who can play a role on the NHL team in, like, the next year or two. Yeah, but, I think uh, it's – I'm not looking to trade Kyle Palmieri day one of training camp, obviously, but just some fodder I had in my head when I was driving a few weeks ago. I know we talked about that, but we never said it on the podcast. I'm always I'm always interested in possibly making, you know, super team moves down the road. So 
Not yeah, worried about we'll it now. I'm, I'm not like, you know, Palms, we really, he, well, to talk about Palms, the first day of NHL training camp, he's injured right now. So we'll see what that is. But, um, you know, it's it's kind of, it's going to be a long year. I'm interested to see where they pair him up in training camp, who he's going to be with. Um, it is going to be, like, if he's a 6 or $7 million player this year, fucking awesome like that'd be amazing if Paul Mary's the same guy we saw most of last year but healthy um the early injuries already starting to get me a little worried there yeah for sure but yeah it's last year Palms when he was healthy he was a rock star but he got hurt with two big you know brain injuries which is never fun um you know especially in uh, pro hockey um especially meaningless games against the Coyotes too it's just like you know my biggest want for this season is just to be able to like make the playoffs without having to sweat it to game 82 um that's that's kind of my biggest wish list item and you know a healthy Kyle Palmieri is a big factor towards uh, that formula yeah, 100%. I love Kyle Palmieri. Hopefully the injury is not too ongoing. Apparently they they don't think he's going to skate before their first preseason game on Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it is. So that's not a great start, but we did get good news that Romanov is 100% healthy from the guy himself. So shout out Romanov. Love to hear that from him, but hopefully Palmieri gets better soon because... We need him to be at his best because he is a very good winger, a very underrated winger, and we saw that towards the end of the year. During that California road trip we had, he went off. He was so good. He was playing well, and he's very he's very underrated by our own fan base. A lot of people still give him crap. He's a good player. Plays the right way. Yeah, yeah, he beat the Andrew Ladd allegations. I mean, that's not very hard. Yeah, well, from last episode, uh, I found out that he's in the heart and soul of every Islands fan. No, I'm kidding. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where Pobs, like, a lot of people just hated him because he didn't produce in the regular season, but he was golden in the postseason, and I hope we can get back there and let him have another run here. Um, but I guess that takes us into first day of camp stuff. We went over Romanov already. Lane Lambert finally addressed the media after having a nice summer. Um, you know, we kind of sheltered him all year or all summer where he didn't have to address the media. We talked a bit about Lane last episode. You know, happy to have him back. He said he's going to take a bigger role in the power play. I'll kick this over to Jake. Jake, what do you think about Lane Lambert's power play? Is this going to work out? Um, I, I don't really know how to, like, describe this and what, what he thinks he's going to do, but we'll, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, I mean, he said he's going to take um, roles in both the power play and the penalty kill, but, you know, him overseeing the power play, um, if he thinks he can improve the power play, I'm all for it. But it's also not on the coaching, like we've talked about. It's also on the players. The players, the coach is telling the players what to do in the power play, but the players have to produce. So I'm all for Lane helping out McLean, you know, seeing what's best um, for the power play and for the team because it's definitely our biggest question mark right now. Can the power play take a step forward, even just be average? Um, it's also on the players as well. But I'm happy with the move. Um, if Wayne wants to take a bigger role this year um, by just overseeing the two uh, units, that's great. But uh, it's also on the players as well. We'll see. I'm not really too – I don't have a strong feeling on this either way. We'll just see what happens. 
I think it's weird that he takes accountability for the power play, which means if it's bad, he's going to get blamed for it now. So, I mean, he always should have been blamed for it because he's the coach. He has the final say. But, like, that's just him going, like, okay, yeah, yell at me too if the power play is bad, which, you know, it better be good. If we have a league average power play, that's something I've been diving into on my own time this week is, like, how good this team's at five-on-five and how an even league average power play this year should be enough to get them into the playoffs. Um, it just all comes down to the power play. It's it's really frustrating how many games we had to win at five on five by like two goals to make it count. But it's frustrating. Hopefully the power play isn't broken this year. Yeah, you said it perfectly. This team plays very well five on five. This team's very deep. Great depth for third liners, fourth line, whoever we have, I feel very comfortable with. It's just special teams that are going to be the issue. Penalty kill will be fine. I'm not worried about that, really. But obviously, the elephant in the room is going to be the power play. If we get a league average power play, the streets might go bonkers on Long Island. It's all we're really asking for here. We're not asking to be a top 5, top 10 power play. Just be decent and put the puck in the back of the net every now and then. Last year was atrocious, of course. But if you give this team a league average power play and you have Sorokin in goal... There, there should be, without a doubt, this team playing past 82 games. Yeah, man. I mean, like, it's it's all going to come down to the power play. You know, people are saying uh, there were a couple, like, listicles and stuff this week. But, like, you know, they have, they have four or five guys that you would put in the upper echelon of the NHL between Pelic, uh, Barzal, Horvat, Nelson, and then you go and say either you could take Dobson out there, you know, he's not the best defensively, but as as an offensive defenseman, he's a top like thirty offensive defenseman in the league. So you could grab a guy like, you know, Dobson, you could grab Andres Lee. Like there's a bunch of guys that could fit into like one of the, you know, a, a top line talent in the NHL. You could either pick between Dobson and Lee. With that and Ilias Arokin behind them they should be good this year um it's just how good are they going to be um do they need an injection of youth like that that we could we could do the fourth line discourse this episode i'm down to do that but um you know aj brought it up earlier are cal and mart's going to make it out of camp here that, that's the million dollar question is this the year we break up the identity line last year i was all for running the identity line back because i want to see how the team looked with lynn lambert the identity line was okay last year but like it got broken up a lot because clutter was hurt um it ran out of gas in the playoffs i think you're better off just putting Sezikis next to two young guns down there on the fourth line and just seeing what happens play a more checking style but we'll see what happens i'm in favor of breaking up the identity line at this point it hurts but i think that's this is the last year. And maybe go to a training camp game because that might be the last time you see, uh, or a preseason game because that might be the last time you see the identity line. That is true. Um, they, I don't know, they probably spent the year together, but I really want to see, I guess, you know, Simon Holmstrom should be playing over Matt Martin or Cal Clutterbuck with all due respect to those guys. I know Cal Clutterbuck, very good penalty killer, but Simon Holmstrom is probably going to be a very good penalty killer for the Islanders for at least a decade. We all know how great he is defensively, how great his two-way game is. Is Simon Holmstrom ready to be a, a top-tier penalty killer? We don't know yet. That's a Lane Lambert question, not a skates-at-the-stakes question. But I'm more than satisfied watching him play on the fourth line, watching Durando... Fashing needs a spot. Wallstrom needs a spot. Gautier could get a spot. 
Ross Johnson needs a train ticket to the ECHL. Ross Johnson's still in camp, which I get it because everyone's in camp right now. They really haven't said much about Ross's future with this team, and hopefully there isn't one. With all due respect, thank you for the uh, many years he served on Long Island, but they can't be carrying around him and his $1. million cap hit just to mess up the Penguins once a year and screw off after that. Send him down to the AHL, call him up if you really need him for a game to, you know, straighten some things out. But other than that, we really shouldn't be hearing too much from this guy. I don't know what group he skated with today, but I don't want to see him. <laughs> really don't want to see him this year. I didn't see much out of Ross today. I mean, look, dude, Ryan Reeves just got a three-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs to be bad at hockey and do the punches. There's some value to Ross if you want to just flip him somewhere for a, a draft pick or something, like a seventh or a sixth. Like, he stinks, but someone out there is going to want him just for toughness and physicality. And if that means sending him down to the AHL and making him waiver exempt or making him waiver eligible, let someone take him off waivers. We let it happen with Bellows last year it helps with the cap hurts nobody helps everyone we're gonna see some interesting names on waivers in the next couple weeks it happens every preseason are we gonna want to go for a guy on waivers who might be better than doing go to i think maybe we'll think about it like there might be a fun name or two on waivers i don't want ross holding a spot over even a guy like you know i seen some discourse online carson coleman he, he's gonna be around i don't think he makes the nhl roster i don't necessarily want him to but i'd rather have him than ross at this point like neither of them's really moving me much but i think ross is on like the bottom of my depth chart of guys i want to see on the AHL roster or nhl roster this year maybe even the ahl roster he can't be taking the spot from Otto koivula or uh no i can't even say chris terry anymore he's gone or Andreoff, he's gone too. Oh my god. The Bridgeport depth chart looks pretty nice. I know Phil, uh, Phil Z Facts on Twitter. He made uh, in his head, or a very realistic in his head, Islanders and Bridgeport Islanders depth chart. Bridgeport looked pretty damn deep, and the names look pretty damn good as well. So I'm going to be excited to watch them this year as well. I might have to get that AHL package. Yeah, it's a younger Bridgeport team. Um, I'll kick it over to our Bridgeport correspondent, Jake. Jake, you excited for the free import, man? Yeah, I mean, it should be a good year. Uh, Tanner Fritz is back. Um, Brian Penho, Carson Kuhlman might be down there. Um, like we said, we'll have to see everything play out. Dimitro Timoshaw might be in the AHL, so it uh, might be a fun year. You talked about the fourth line. I know training camp lines on day one mean nothing. But Sezikis was next to Wallstrom and uh, Holmstrom today, while Carter Buck and Martin were doing other things. So, very interesting to see that on day one. I'm not saying Wallstrom's going to be in the fourth line, but it was interesting that Holmstrom got a look next to him. Yeah, I think they were centered by Tate McRae, um, Wallstrom, or Martin, <laughs> and um, Clutterbuck. Yeah, but honestly, it's like, it's so annoying. Like, I, I, I love these guys with all my heart. But it's time to go. And Jake and I were talking about this yesterday. But, um, you know, there was no reason for us to give Cal a two-year deal two years ago. Like, Lou, Lou was cooking, but he didn't have to give Cal that second year. I think this would be the perfect time to phase Cal out of the lineup and maybe Martin. Like, I'm okay keeping Martin around as the 13th forward to throw hits. But, you know, it's it's just like we might as well get younger in those spots. All right, let's say that Clutterbuck's gone. What do you guys want the the four 
four to five, four to six, four to five penalty kill forwards to be. How about we just do the bottom six? You could. Oh, Horvath. Horvath should be in the penalty kill. I don't want yeah. Walsham on the penalty kill. I didn't say. I said Horvat. I know, but Ryan okay. said the bottom six. So Walsham. No, not not yeah. Walsham. Um. Oh no no! I said, how about we just project the bottom six? Oh yeah, we could do that too. Yeah, we could do both. Yeah, so our bottom six, I probably go Wallstrom, Pajot, Lee. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, or Lee, Pajot, Wallstrom. Okay, wait. If you're going to say Lee, you have to say who's in the top six, then. It would probably be... The one guy that would take Lee's spot out of the top six. Yeah, I'd probably go first line, um, probably Barzal. Horvat, and then you can throw in like you know whoever has the best chemistry with those two in camp. Maybe, maybe try Durandu up there. Maybe try Fasting. You try Godier. You try Holmstrom. Whichever guy works up there. Whichever okay. one of those like minimum guys work, um, because you want to balance your lineup. Line two, I'm going with the 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 perfection line. I'm gonna keep that together for a little bit. I could see the case move Angbold to the third line, but I think just keep the second line to start the season, and then the third line I'd probably go with Lee Pajot Wallstrom. I think that's you know a line that could have been a second line last year, so that that's a pretty good upgrade for the third line, and then the fourth line I'd probably go with like. Holmstrom, Sezikis, Fashing, ideally, and then Gautier or Durando can play in the top six, but I don't, I don't really, or Ishikov could play in the top six, but I don't think that's too likely. I just think that's like a long shot scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty fair. I kind of agree. I agree with you with the bottom six, definitely. Maybe Durando, maybe Gautier, maybe Simon on the first line with Horvat Barzal. Maybe Engvall. I really like the idea of Pierre Engvall playing alongside Barzal and Horvat. It would probably be a little bit too stacked of a line uh, where I'd rather have, you know, the lineup spread a little bit more because we're going to have injuries like Kyle Pomeri. He might be injured for we don't know how long. So I want the second. I want Brock Nelson to have a competent line mate. I don't want him playing with Gauthier and Simon Holmstrom. That's not fair to him. He needs to have a very good, not a very good winger, but a competent NHL NHL winger. And Pierre Engvall is obviously that. So we'll keep the second one the same. I'm going to keep... We'll put Lee on the first line. I don't mind it if he's on the first or third, honestly. But third, I would like him and Pajot to be like a duo. I know we talked about that a lot this summer. I think Lee and Pajot could fit together. It'd be interesting to watch. But we're going to keep Lee on the first line for... For reasons. Uh, Third line will be... Ooh, what do we want? I guess we're going to go Simon Holmstrom, Pajot, Walstrom, Matt Martin on the fourth line, Sezikis, Fashing. So no Durando then. I would love to see Durando, big Durando guy, but I don't think he makes a team out of camp. If he does, good. He was great for the New York Islanders last year. I really hope he does make the team, but I'm not going to get, I'm not going to count on it. I don't see Ishikov making the team, but if he does, I'm very happy about that as well. The thing is, you need Hudson Fashing playing. There's no way this guy's not going to play to start the year at the very least. He was so good last year. So, we'll see. Uh, Jake? Yeah, um, right now I got Walsham with Barzvat. I got the perfection line. I have Anders Lee next to Pajot. We saw that in camp today. We'll see uh, if that continues to be a pattern. Uh, next to him, I have Julian, um, Simon Holmstrom. And the fourth line, I have Julian Gauthier, Casey Zizekas, and Hudson Fashion. 
Bummer. None of us had Matt Martin down there. I uh, did. But you did? Yeah, I had Martin down there. Uh, on your fourth? Yeah, I'm on, my, on the fourth line next to. Uh, oh, I thought Zeke you said he was extra or something like that. Nah, I'm Durando, maybe Clutterbuck the extra. I didn't even mention extras. No, I think Martin. I don't think they both go. If they both go, it's probably for the best. But I think Martin gets the start at least. Yeah. Well, we talk about camp battles. Um, there's one more battle I want to do, and then I want to do kind of a segment about, um, you know, percentage odds to make the team. But the last camp battle is Sebi and Bolduc. Um, you know, they're going to be fighting for the left-handed defenseman three spot. You know, the second spot's definitely going to go to Rom if he's fully healthy. But between Bolduc and Aho, I'm starting to really hope Bolduc has a big camp. I know Aho's the analytic darling, but Bolduc is bigger. He could be stronger. He could have put on some muscle this summer i'm hoping that he wins the spot because i feel more confident about him on the long term because this is a contract year for Aho and he's gonna be playing his heart out to uh you know to keep stick around in the nhl as well as get a payday because of how much money defensemen make in this league but i'm kind of hoping bold or yeah i'm hoping bold duke wins the battle and is the third left-hand defenseman on opening night but i could be swayed either way aj i want to give you the floor who do you think is going to be the left-hand defenseman on opening night for this team on the third pair with Scott Mayfield, I guess. It's gotta be Sebastian Ajo. I know Bold Duke actually didn't look terrible when he was on the power play the first few games, but you really need Ajo to carry that second power play unit being the quarterback there. That's gonna be his job. We'll see what he could do. It, it It's gonna be his job out of the gate unless he has a really bad camp. He was pretty good last year. The, he's an analytical darling, obviously. Um... You know, is there really much, too much to say on Sebastian Ajo? We know what he's kind of going to bring. Very quick defenseman, good fo- good foot speed, good at breaking out the puck, good at, you know, good mobile defenseman. A very, 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 very minimal version of Devontae's without the offense or the fun, with all due respect, because I was a big Devontae's guy. It wouldn't shock me if we replaced him this summer and tried to get a nice upgrade for that second power play unit, depending on our cap space. But for now, I think Ajo's the guy. Maybe Boldu tries to take that spot, but I think definitely Ajo's going to win the battle out of camp. Thoughts on uh, Stan Fisher's article naming Robin Sal as a dark horse leader? Uh Yeah, Ryan, I think you you told me about that yesterday, right? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, it's certainly an NHL a player who's played a game for the New York Islanders in the NHL. If Salo really comes out and kills it, I would be so happy. But dude, I just I don't, and I don't no. I don't believe it's not that I don't believe in him anymore. It's just kind of like, yeah. If it happens, cool. If it doesn't, I'm not gonna I'm not getting my hopes up yet. Yet. Yeah, I mean, he had a tough year in Bridgeport. He was getting third pair of minutes. I'm happy he's still here in camp. Um, if you got, I mean, I just brought it up. If you guys didn't see, Stan Fisher brought like five dark horses to make the roster, and the four other than Sal was Bull Duke, Maggio, Ishikov, do four real, real basic stuff. But uh, in terms of uh, Bull Duke Aho, I think regardless, we're the seventh D spot. We'd be one of them, obviously. I think that's a good place to be. After that, it gets a little shaky about who would get called up when those guys are injured. But regardless, I think Bull Duke should be the defenseman. Nothing against Aho. But I just think Bolduc has a much higher ceiling where Ajo is the better four right now just because he ended last year on a pretty good note. Bolduc's 6'4". He was decent with Mayfield last year. He has experience running a power play. Um, I think that would, you know, he looked okay last year. He's going to improve. He would be on the second power play. Um, 
so yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting. Um, they're going they're gonna he's gonna get a big look during camp. Uh, just signed a contract, but regardless, I think we're in good hands. Um, seventh D wise, but uh, I'm not mad whoever wins, but I I just think Bolduc has the higher ceiling. Yeah, more than fair. I mean, like, honestly, either way, it's fine. I'd rather Bolduc just be playing games regularly. I think that's going to be very important next year because, you know, long term, Sebastian Ajo might not be in their plans if they have this kid who's an AHL all-star and he's going to start to, you know, kind of make his case to be an NHL regular this season. I know last year he had some great games. He had some bad games, <laughs> really bad games, but... We'll see, you know, like, Ajo is about to hit unrestricted free agency. Um, is there the possibility that, you know, if Bolduc wins that spot over camp, the Islanders might have a, you know, a kind of a Nils Lundqvist situation on their hand where they have an extra defenseman they could trade for some solid draft capital? That could be interesting, but I, I think Sebi's going to probably win the spot. But fingers crossed, I really want Bolduc to outplay him in camp here and uh, make his case. What was the Nils bet? Not really bet, but the Nils bet we had last year. I forget the exact thing we were talking about on the podcast, though, and I said, like, he wasn't going to put up, like, 30 points or something in, like, two years. Well, I think I said, like, yeah, 50 or 60. Like that. Um, yeah, 40, that, guy, 50. that guy stinks. I don't get how the Rangers got a first-round pick for him. So stupid. I, I beat the drum for it all the time. There's probably, what, 32 times 6. That's going to be, I don't want to do bad math here, but let's just say, hypothetically, there's, I don't know, uh, 200 NHL defensemen um, spots, and then there's like 150 guys capable of playing the position. Like, it's it's so rare. Like, defense in the NHL, like, to be seven deep like the Islanders is, like, really rare across the league. Because, like, if you look at the Rangers, or I, I, not even the Rangers, the Devils, like, if you look at any of these teams' defensive depth, it's really stinky. Like, it, there's a lot of bad bad defensemen on third pairs throughout the NHL. The Islanders, I feel like they have a, you know, that's one of their strengths, that they're always running out a competent NHL defensive pairing no matter what. Yeah, and I'm not saying Nils is a bad NHL player by any means. He's fine. He's just not worth it. I wouldn't give up a first-round pick for him. I think. Oh, absolutely not. Well, You're just betting that he's going to be cheap and good. Yeah, I wasn't trying to say that he's an awful NHL player. He's like he's fine. He'll do a job, but you don't want to. You don't want a guy for a first round pick, a literal first round pick, doing a job. Was my yeah, one hundred and ninety two defensemen are in the NHL, so starting defensemen on any given night. So I don't know. That's why you always see them get overpaid. Well, sometimes it's one hundred ninety one when they want to do uh thirteen forwards. Brendan Smith yeah. is smiling somewhere. Or Noah Dobson's deciding to be on his phone. Yeah, could be doing that. Playing Angry Birds. Flash Royale. Well, speaking about taking phones, Mike Babcock. Babcock. (laughs) That's great. Um, (laughs) I guess we could transition away from Islanders stuff now. There's there's not too much. So, um, you know, we covered the Metro Division a lot here. We were just talking about two other Metro teams, the Devils and the Rangers. But this week, the big story has been the Columbus Blue Jackets, where uh, everything imploded before it even began. Um, It was over before they were even back. Uh, They signed Coach Mike Babcock to a two-year contract, like $8 million, which is pretty high-end for an NHL coach. Um, And they had to fire him because he was taking on players' phones. We don't have to give takes on this. 
you know, it's obviously there's a various range of emotions you can feel toward this story. Um, I think, you know, it's fucking creepy, but we don't have to get into that part of it. But, like, how screwed do you think Columbus are right now? Like, they wound up taking a guy who has never coached an NHL game after, like, their big thing was, all right, we're going to bring in all these scumbags to play for Babcock. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think their outlook just dropped, like, five or six points, and I'm a lot more excited to play them now than before so um aj i know you kind of have a little bit of love for lumbus uh what do you think about the jackets this year now uh i think it honestly might help them you know pull in the same direction everyone's gonna have each other's back i know what gaudreau and jenner said isn't aligning with what other people doubt but different situations he treated people differently babcock you know he's not gonna treat a guy who's gonna be there for his entire tenure, whether it was one year or three years, Gaudreau was going to be there no matter what. So he's not going to treat him the same way he'll treat a rookie. We don't know what he did. Maybe that comes out later in the year. Maybe it never does. And that's none of our business, obviously. But, um, yeah, a lot of real messed up stuff from Babcock. I, you know, it's just a weird, weird way to try to get to know someone. Never really apologize for doing it. He definitely mismanaged and mistreated the younger guys, or else he wouldn't have been let go, quote-unquote. I think Columbus, it could be fine for them. It happened before training camp. I know it's going to send like a, a little bit of a shock through the room, like what the hell is going on here, maybe a bit of a panic, but also might bring the guys together more, like knowing they have to overcome this adversity as a team, so... Yeah, we've seen it before. I mean, where they overcome adversity, but, you know, I think just like it's weird that the organization tried to put out the fire and then, you know, immediately people were like, wait, actually, the fire's still burning. Like, this is an actual news story. We have to follow this. You have to, though. You can't. You don't have to. That's the wrong way of saying it. But in a PR world, you have to. That's what they're going to instantly try to do is put out the fire rather than do the right thing. I don't it, know. It's yeah, I guess. Because like, like you don't want the stories. Right. You don't want the stories. You don't want the bad publicity. You don't want the negative attention. You want to sweep sweep it under the rug. As terrible of a thing is as that is to say, that's how they think. That is the entire backing of public relations. Am I wrong here? They want everything just to go away as quietly as possible and not make a big big deal and just worry about the hockey side of things rather than that. You you've been around longer. You know more than me on that end of the of the spectrum. Obviously, am I wrong there? You're not wrong, and it happens all the time in the NHL. But like, should it happen? Should no. they just wait for the invest? No, no, no. I know you don't think it should happen, but like, I'm I'm saying like, you know, they just they they could have waited to put out the fire because they it was a little silly that they had to like you know put out a boom Jenner statement and then it's like oh, all right so nothing's gonna happen here and then two days later it you know it blows up again. It's just knowing all the facts, and uh, I think the P- it was a big win for the players' association. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, Marty Walsh. Deserves all the credit there, and I, uh, you know what? Good on Paul Bissonnette for doubling down and even tripling down, saying no, this isn't what happened. He's lying. Look into it further. He's not the reason that they looked into it further. Players spoke up to the NHLPA more likely than not, but good on him for not letting this matter just rest easy and take the L that some people, pretty big names in the hockey world, were just trying to give him just because he's on, um, he's associated with Barstool, which I know. People don't have to like Barstool, but the players are going to feel a lot more comfortable going to Paul Bissonette, 
who what, used to be an NHL player, rather than going to a guy like Elliot Friedman, who hasn't been around. He's been around the game, but you know he never played. Guys are gonna be more comfortable going to Biz asking him questions about stuff rather than Elliot Friedman, if that makes sense. So good on them for that, but yeah, very uh, messed up stuff that Babcock was doing. Yeah, and the Jackets will be punished by a 20-point point reduction, hopefully. Um, you know, I just hope they stink. Um, I I think that we're, we're going to be better than the Jackets no matter what, but we'll see where that goes. They're, they're going to try to come back under this new coach, a Brad Larson disciple. So that's, uh, that's a uh, you know, that'll be fun. Maybe, maybe go to Islanders versus Blue Jackets if you want to see a win this year. Um, aside from that, nothing too crazy around the league. Like, rookie camps happened. Everyone got hyped off rookies. I've never seen the rookie hype be as big as is this year for Bedard. I haven't seen this since McDavid, I guess, would be the best time to say. It feels like this is even bigger than Matthews. So, you know, people will be watching for that. Fantilli, I've seen a lot of stuff about him. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not really too too invested in that guy. Um but we'll see. You know, it's it's interesting. Teams are breaking camp. Everyone's got the vibes. Everyone thinks they're the teams the best in the world. So we'll see where it's going. They have some really good players. I am excited to watch Kent Johnson play this year. Fantilli's going to be good, like you said. Uh, they'll be better than last year, but I still think we're better than them. We're deeper than them. But I'd, in a few years, I'd definitely watch out for them being probably the number two team in the Metro if all these guys pan out. If Fantilli's a stud, we are... We will be screwed in 2028, but that's 2028, and he still has to be a stud. For now, he's a bad hockey player. I have the same amount of NHL goals as him, and I'm not worried yet, but they do have a very good core, a future core, potentially, with uh, David Jurek as well. They just need a goaltender. Not to pump their tires too much here. We yeah. don't know how much they have three do good, that. They have three good players in a couple of years, so we'll see where that goes. Um, oh, speaking of good young players, Trevor Segris. I know you're a big Trevor Segris hater, Ryan, and you're going to deny that, but you know you are. Uh, apparently, the Ducks only want to offer him three to four million. That's kind of messed up, man. He deserves more than that. I know a lot of people have been bashing him recently on social media. He's also dating, what's it, Addison right now, or... One of the famous TikTokers. Dixie D'Amelio. Dixie D'Amelio. Same, same, same crap. Um, <laughs> he deserves at least like five and a half, six for one year. There's no way he gets under five. What are we doing here? It depends on if they want to pay him as a center or a winger. So now they have two good centers. Um, and if he's going to play in the top six, he's going to be a winger. And, you know, even if his, he has a lot of zero calorie points and stuff and he has the flair or whatever. But, like, you know, he, he's probably like a – Four or five million dollars a winger, six or seven million dollars as a center. Um, they're going to want him to be a winger. He's going to say he wants to be a center, and they're probably going to meet in the middle. I think three is just very funny to be that low. Um, you know, it kind of shows how people in league circles think about the guy. Uh, you know, Michigan Merchant or whatever. He, you know, he was on. He's he's awful defensively. He has like a million penalty minutes for being a top sixer. He had eighty eight penalty minutes last year. That's top fifteen in the league among forwards. That you know among non-plugs that's like third or fourth besides the chucks he gets a lot of penalty minutes he doesn't even play like that physically or good of a game uh you know i'm not the guy's biggest fan but he's probably a five or six billion dollar player if he's a winger uh maybe more if he's a center but i don't think they see him as a top six center um so it'll be curious i'm i'm curious to see what happens as egress here but yeah i'm not i'm not like the biggest fan of his but also it's just like you know the pr putting the 
the guy right on the cover after he came out of uh you know his rookie year was a little bit of annoying of the video game but whatever um let's i want to look this real quick because what's tim stutzel's contract isn't he getting eight and a half yeah to be a center isn't he a winger though stutzel's a center I'm didn't, didn't pretty sure he played with Drew last year. Yeah, Drew's a winger. Everything's fucked up. They, it, one site will tell you left wing, other another site will tell you center. I don't know. Yeah, if you just look at um, no, they they alternate, but no, Stutzel's definitely he got paid like a center because they have him as a center. I mean, maybe maybe Zagris could do the bars all thing and get a payday as a center and then go and switch to winger, but they're gonna have to pay him like a center. And I don't understand why the Ducks don't want to spend money. Like he puts butts in seats, so you might as well put him on some money. But I think they're probably trying to make him and Drysdale a little uncomfortable so they could trade him and Drysdale at some point. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's just yeah, Jeru- Drew played on the left last year. Weird. I know he probably t- took a majority of the face-offs, though. So. Yeah, yeah, weird stuff like that. Like when Barzal was starting out and Lee would still take her face-offs and, or that second year, first year with Trots. Yeah, because I'm on Hockey DB right now. They say left wing, and I know I know he was genuinely a winger coming up, but, yeah, weird. I know, obviously, what the NHL GMs say go, goes a lot further than Hockey DB, but... I mean, yeah, he at least deserves five and a half. His stats are really good. I know, you know, not the best two-way player. Could a little bit of a arrogant asshole at times, allegedly. I'm not in the locker room with them, but I know people don't think he's the best team guy. The dude's, like Ryan said, puts butts in seats and also is still very good at hockey. So maybe, I know there's been some trade rumors to Buffalo, possibly. That'd be interesting. That'd be That'd be very fun for the league, but... I don't know if he really takes them to that next step. He probably does help a good amount, depending what they give up, and they have the prospects to give up for him, but it's just kind of weird how Anaheim's treating their... I'm not going to say their golden goose, and not even trying to make a bird pun, but one of their potential golden geese. Because I, I think McTavish is still going to be better than him. McTavish probably I mean, he's, he's like Dabrinkat. He's an offense-only player. Um, how how much would you give up for the Islanders to get him if he's available right now? I mean, for especially at that low of a cost, probably a good amount. We we could honestly really use Zegers to do what to play like offense? just to play offense. Like where 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 does he slot in on this Islanders team? Like a second liner? Like he's not going to be a center. So if you put him on the wing, that's fine. But I don't yeah. know what like we could really give up that would make sense for the Ducks to give up one of the better young players in the league. First round pick in Wallstrom. I I think it takes a lot more than that still. He's an RFA. He, they don't have power. I mean, you see, being yeah, an RFA, they're, they're, they're pretty much losing leverage right now. Yeah, they don't yeah. have power. He's on Buffalo. Sorry, I had to do that. Yeah, that's Blair. right. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, like you know, if they if we want Zagers, I think he's gonna if he gets traded, you know, in the next week or two, it comes pretty easily. If he holds out, he's probably stupid for doing so. Just, Just you know, I, I don't know. I I don't know why this is taking so long. It's it's the worst team in the league. Can't even sign their good player. Yeah, it's pretty they'll, funny. Like they'll pay corn six million. Yeah, that's it is stupid. Brian Strom makes how much money? Five million. Five. Yeah. Frank Vitrano. Vitrano. Uh, he was Three. actually fine last year. Yeah, he's a fine NHLer, but I'd rather give money to Trevor Zegers and Frank Vitrano and not have him hold out. 
Like, the, I, I don't know. I don't get what the Ducks are doing. We'll see if Leo Carlson makes a team, too. But also Pinto. Pinto is not signed yet. They're still trying to trade someone. Could he also be... Pinto could also be dealt. But um, that's the thing. We have what too many centers. What would you give up for Pinto? No, less than Zegers, obviously. But I'd give... Would I guess you'd have to do, like, a... a I don't even think it would be that expensive, would it? Because I know Elliot no. Friedman is talking about it on 32 Thoughts. Like, it really wouldn't take that much. Like, probably a second in Walshroom would do it. And he is very good. No, no way is a second in Walshroom. That's not... You think that... You are not paying that for Pinto. That's you, like a third-round pick. Pinto's... Dude, he put up 20 goals in his rookie year last year. He put up 20 goals. Yeah. 35 points. Minus 21. Uh... You know, plus minus isn't the best at, but you probably play him on the wing. Uh, I'd probably wing. give up like you gotta send Cap the other way. Maybe like Clutterbuck in a second. They a can't. Third, they maybe. can't take Cap uh, though. Yeah, they're not accepting that either. Yeah, they. It, yeah, but Wallstrom, I think that would just be a one for one Wallstrom for Pinto. That could work. So yeah, not Cap. I don't know. One of the lower tier prospects, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'd do it. I think Pinto has a better, yeah, no, I would better chance of being uh, everyday NHL than Walshroom. It's a safer bet, Pinto, I would say, but I think Walshroom definitely still has that ceiling of being an elite goal scorer. And he did have an, uh, not an interview, but he talked to the media today, and he said that the whole recovering from the injury process was really good for him, really good for his body. He's in a lot better shape, he said, which is good to hear. So We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll see how he does in preseason training camp, but... I don't know. If we traded Walsham for Pinto, uh, I wouldn't really be that upset. No, I wouldn't either. I, I'm a big Pinto guy. so I like, cool. I, I'm like. i still going to ride with Wally, I guess, of, until he goes. But, you know, we'll see how he does. I, his quotes today fired me up a little bit. Like, I'm ready to see him back, and he's in good shape. But I'm not, like, going crazy for the guy after what happened this summer. It's just, you know, he, he's betting on himself. If he becomes a 25-goal guy, he's here keep him here for as long as he wants but you know we'll see what happens the senators just got sold for almost a billion dollars yeah no good for them they finally get While new ownership recording. yeah i know that was gonna break any day now so that's cool um yeah we'll see what happens with pinto he probably gets two and a half by two he he deserves it he had a really good rookie year um walshroom We'll see what he does. If he, I don't want him to be a two-way player. We talked about this many times on the podcast. I want him to be our version of Victor Olofsson. Just score goals, be good on the power play. It's all we need from him. You know, just be a good. No, I don't. Merchant. Again, I, I, if he, if he can score twenty-five goals at five on five, or you know, yeah, on the if he could do that, play, but he hasn't done matter. that yet. That's the thing. Olofsson stinks. I, I don't want a Mike Hoffman or an Olofsson. If he becomes a well-rounded player, that's good. If he, you know, if he goes into that role, it's probably also good. But whatever he wants to do, as long as the puck goes in the net, I do not care. Yeah, exactly. I just want him to score goals. But if he's just a power play merchant, I'll take that because that means we at, least, we at least have a power play merchant now. So there's really no downside unless he's doing neither, which is also very possible. Not saying he will, but there's always that chance. 
Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, this is the fun discourse when you take your guy on the Islanders, stuff like that. Hopefully, we're we're so loaded this year. But you know, if you want to trade your first round pick for Trevor Segers right now, who am I to say no? You know, um, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I I think that would be fun if we just traded our first for like someone random right now. That would be crazy. Do something well, fun with it. We'd have to clear um, up the cap, obviously, too. So what? Like, okay, okay realistically, the first for what did you say? Sorry. Agile in the first for Zagris. Uh, it has to be the He's one not of... going to be worth that much. If no. Buffalo wanted him right now, they could get him for maybe like a protected first. It's the Eichel shit where everyone thought Jack Eichel was going for Lafreniere and Kako and it wound up being like Alex Tuck in a protected first. Those are two completely different scenarios because of Eichel's injury, though, to be fair. Yeah, but what I'm saying is NHL trades, everyone expects it to be really big. Like, to brink it the first time, it wound up being, like, a first, a second, and a third, and everyone's like, oh, it has to be two firsts. Chikrin, too. Or, yeah, Chikrin, too. Chikrin was a big one like Chikrin that, and then there was, uh, what's his name, uh, Bo Horvat, <laughs> who wound up, you know, everyone's saying two firsts. And then it I mean, if the if Vegas is only going for a first, I'll do that trade right fucking now. Yeah, you just have to figure out the cap. I think it would only be a first because the other team has to meet his demands and sign him to that seven or six year million dollar a year contract. I would um, do that in a heartbeat. The potential's there. I'd think about it. I mean, again, you can't be a center. You'd have to be a winger. But yeah. you can make it work. Yeah, I mean, I guess trading Peugeot would work. Then you put Barzal back at the center. It'd yeah, something like that. Barzal and... Zagris would have crazy good vibes, but he's also a Rangers fan, so I wouldn't count on too much. No, he'd hold out and cry and go to he'd the Rangers. He'd hold out and seven. cry, and then we wouldn't, we'd lose our first round pick, and then it would be a whole big thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very easy to talk myself out of Zagris. The, the, the common theme with hockey players I don't like, you'll realize, is most of them grew up as Ranger fans, so that, that kind of sway, uh, sways me there. Yeah, that's fair. We'll see. I kind of hope he gets traded. I think I think it'd be better for the league. I'd like to watch him a little bit more. Anaheim's just not a fun team to watch. I'll put him on late at night when there's nothing else on. But I really don't enjoy watching Anaheim Ducks hockey in the good year of 2023. Yeah, but it better not be Buffalo because that media, like the media public relations, the PR for Buffalo Sabers right now is is annoying as hell. We'll see. They're very, they're rated very highly. A lot of people think they're making the playoffs over us, and I, I would disagree. I, I think we're a little bit better than them. We're Quite definitely better than them. So. Yeah, we're definitely better than them. We have a better goalie. We have a better defense. Or yeah, yeah probably we have a better, better, have a better defense. You know, six man no defense. They have a better one and two. Dolin's a superstar. Power's incredible. They yeah, definitely have a better one two. But that one two, will that really push him into the playoffs? I know Dolan did get better defensively, and Power is going to be a stud both ways, but you still have Pelican Pulak. Still got Romanov. We got to see what Dobson's going to be. I like Aho. I like Aho. Uh, and Scott Mayfield is probably one of the best third line defensemen in the league. Very, very, very solid defense core. Yeah, and then on offense, they score a ton of goals, but that's because none of them play defense, and we have a lot of forwards that you know play a two-way game. So we'll see what happens. We better beat some of the worst teams this year because now you see uh, Devils fans. I think this might happen since we last recorded because I did my big move last weekend. I'm now an Islander. If you made it this far on the podcast, get to know that. Uh, I live on Long Island. But when I was doing my big move, there was like a lot of Devils fans being like, oh, the Islanders are going to stink this year. And if you go back through the schedule, the Islanders lost a lot of games to teams they shouldn't have lost to. 
Like, you know, we lost a couple to the, we lost two to the Blue Jackets. We lost three to Buffalo. We lost two to the Yotes. There are a couple of games that if we could just swing those our way this year, this team can easily clear 100 points. So I'm excited. That That's kind of the conversations I'm having with myself at this point in the offseason. And anyone who says the Islanders don't have an elite player, you can just tell them Ilya Sorokin and they'll shut their damn mouth. Ilya Sorokin. Do, 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 do. That's right. So, yeah, no, uh, the Devils fans were annoying for like one day on Twitter, but then I think the Sons of Lamorello healed itself. There was an Islander hockey game in four days. That's weird Very to think about. Quick turnaround. So that's going to be the 26th against the Rangers, 27th against the Flyers, 29th against the Rangers. We'll try to get an episode out to you guys before we go there. Anything left to talk about, guys, uh, before we close out here? I'll be there with my uh, notepad, as always. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, my Bobby Trevino hate, hate lust. Minute-by-minute <laughs> <laughs> minute hate watch. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's it for the pod, guys. Thanks for sticking around this long. Really appreciate you guys uh, at this point in the offseason. We'll kick into high gear with you know re- game recaps and uh, everything in the Islanders. Preseason burst into the regular season, but you can follow AJ on Twitter at Tabita Hockey. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Brian Jakey. You can follow me on Twitter at Ramarn. Follow the pod on Twitter at Skates and Stakes. Um, all of our other socials are there give us five stars if you made it this far we really appreciate it and we'll talk to you guys soon peace